Many people in the world are aware of who God is and the works of Jesus Christ are plainly evident to them. But rather than embracing God's mercy and grace, many people would rather give glory and credit to other things, to other people, and put their faith on those things and people. That is the sin of idolatry. Idolatry is giving precedence or priority to other things outside of God. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. In today's message, we'll be discussing that the practice of sin yields consequences. Everything that we do does yield consequences, and depending on what you choose to do is what will determine what will happen later. The concept is very simple. Everything in this world is conditional, even the things of the Lord. If you decide to love and honor God, then that will yield for you eternal life and eternal rewards. But if you choose to follow sin, then you will reap corruption and death. You have the power to choose your own results. Today's message is inspired on the book of 1 Kings, chapter 14, verses 1 to 18. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, blessed and mighty God, creator of all things, the Eternal One, the Almighty One, the King of the Universe. I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for there is no one like you. Lord God, Heavenly Father, who is unto you, O Lord? Lord God, who can do the things that only you can? Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, humbly, O God, for your mercy, for your grace, for your forgiveness of sins, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you please forgive me. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may please, O Lord, Heavenly Father. Always, Lord God, shed your grace on us. I pray, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, Heavenly Father, that you may guide us, that you may be able to help us to understand. But Lord God, above all things, help us to have a soft heart before you. Help us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be sensitive to your will, to your ways, to what it is that you want us to take in, Lord God, and to be able to live and do. Heavenly Father, to you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever, O Lord God, in Jesus' name, amen. Today's key passage reading can be found in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 14, verses 1 to 18. This is the word of the Lord. At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, became sick. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Please arise and disguise yourself that they may not recognize you as the wife of Jeroboam and go to Shiloh. Indeed, Ahijah, the prophet, is there who told me that I would be king over this people. Also take with you ten loaves, some cakes, and a jar of honey and go to him. He will tell you what will become of the child. And Jeroboam's wife did so. So she arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of his age. Now the Lord had said to Ahijah, Here is the wife of Jeroboam, coming to ask you something about her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus you shall say to her, for it will be when she comes in that she will pretend to be another woman. And so it was when Ahijah heard the sound of her footsteps as she came through the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. 
Why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news. Go and tell Jeroboam, thus says the Lord God of Israel, because I exalted you among the people and made you ruler over my people Israel and tore the kingdom away from the house of David and gave it to you and let you have not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all of his heart to do only what was right in my eyes. But you have done more evil than all who were before you, for you have gone and made for yourself other gods and molded images to provoke me to anger and have cast me behind your back. Therefore, behold, I will bring disaster on the house of Jeroboam and will cut off from Jeroboam every male in Israel, bond and free. I will take away the remnant of the house of Jeroboam as one takes away refuse until it is all gone. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Jeroboam and dies in the city. And the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field, for the Lord has spoken. Arise, therefore, go to your own house. When your feet enter the city, the child shall die. And all Israel shall mourn for him and bury him, for he is the only one of Jeroboam who shall come to the grave, because in him there is found something good toward the Lord God of Israel in the house of Jeroboam. Moreover, the Lord will raise up for himself a king over Israel who shall cut off the house of Jeroboam. This is the day. What? Even now. For the Lord will strike Israel as a reed is shaken in the water. He will uproot Israel from this good land which he gave to their fathers and will scatter them beyond the river because they have made their wooden images, provoking the Lord to anger. And he will give Israel up because of the sins of Jeroboam, who sinned and who made Israel sin. Then Jeroboam's wife arose and departed and came to Tirsa. When she came to the threshold of the house, the child died. And they buried him, and all Israel mourned for him according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through his servant Ahijah the prophet. Who was this King Jeroboam? We learn that this man may have been some sort of superintendent when younger over the public works, if you will, of King Solomon. And King Solomon had dedicated himself to much extravagance when constructing all kinds of buildings for himself after he had deviated from the ways of the Lord. And there was much discontent within the people of Israel, in particular in the ten northern tribes, because they were overworked. Solomon had demanded too much out of the people. God had told Jeroboam at some point that he would become king and rule over Israel. That promise did come true, and the Lord gave Jeroboam the opportunity of a lifetime, and he did become king over the ten northern tribes of Israel after the country had split because of the discontent of people. Jeroboam was given a great and unmerited opportunity. He was not of royal blood, so he legitimately had no part in being king. Nonetheless, God had done something for him that was truly special. And what did Jeroboam do after becoming king over Israel? He betrayed the same God that had given him the greatest opportunity anyone could have ever given him. Rather than remaining faithful to the Lord, he turned against the Lord to follow all kinds of different idols. The same prophet Ahijah that God used to tell him that the Lord would raise him up was the same prophet that God would later use to tell him of his own downfall and of the destruction of his lineage after that. Some people may read this passage and think a few things. Maybe one of the things they may think of is that God dealt with Jeroboam harshly. Let's look at this a little further. Was God unfair with Jeroboam? Let's look at what God did for him. 
Jeroboam was not of royal descent. It is believed that he had fled Israel for some time during Solomon's reign because of the turmoil in the kingdom. God then offers to him the kingdom and gives him the opportunity to start a new lineage, a new reign where God would let his descendants become perpetual heirs to the kingdom of Israel. God gives him and his posterity the opportunity to reign over Israel forever. And so God does something completely unmerited and opens opportunities that should have never been afforded to Jeroboam. And as a response to God's goodness, to God's grace, Jeroboam seeks after and worships idols and goes completely against the Lord. Jeroboam seeks after things that had done absolutely nothing for him. He searches after pagan gods and idols that contradict and are directly in enmity with the Lord. He ultimately betrays the Lord. Now, for some reason, it may still not be clear for some people what Jeroboam did wrong. And one reason for why it's probably not clear is because many people do not put themselves in the Lord's place. Most people do not look at God's side of things. So let's do that. Jesus said, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. This is one of the universal golden rules we get from the Bible. Paraphrased in today's words, this basically says, treat others the way you want to be treated. So now, put yourself in God's place. Let's pretend you adopt a son or daughter, a child whom you have no human relationship with, someone that you just saw on the street somewhere, a child without any kind of material possession, no education, sick, malnourished, without anything to offer. That child you adopt would ultimately become a burden to you, and you take the time and use all of your resources to build their life up. You pour your heart into this person. Day after day, you help this child to recover and heal, and you give him a good education. You treat him or her as your own and with the best of intentions. And then you give him or her all of your possessions, your home, your property, any and all rights to everything you have. And when they become an adult, after you have basically given them everything, think about this, that they turn against you and follow after people and things that have nothing to do with their success, with all of your efforts in raising him or her. Instead of being grateful and returning all of the love and dedication you poured into their lives, they grow to hate you for no reason and return evil for good. And this person becomes ultimately subservient to things and people that only look to destroy everything you did for them, looking only to take from them the very things you gave him or her. How would you feel as a person? Would you think that this was fair? Could you just make like everything is fine? I would venture to say, probably not. I wouldn't feel good either. At the very least, I would feel incredible disappointment and sadness. I would feel betrayed. Well, that is what God went through with Jeroboam, and unfortunately, he goes through this on a daily basis. Some may say, well, of course, I, I could understand that God could be upset, and if I were given that opportunity, I would never do that to God. Okay, Let's look at this a little more and see what God does and goes through every day. God made all things, including man, and he is the one that has allowed for people to exist, each person that is born. He gives the breath of life to all things, to every person that lives. And all that have come after Adam and Eve have sinned, have done things that go against the Lord in every kind of way. But despite that, despite people turning into his enemies, 
God extends his goodness and gives mankind the ultimate gift, Jesus Christ. God gives his only begotten son to be born and killed unjustly so that we could have the hope of salvation. And through Jesus Christ, not only does God give us the opportunity to have our sins forgiven, but also the opportunity to have eternal life and also to receive eternal rewards. And not only that, but the Bible says that with that eternal life and eternal reward, that if we also can have the opportunity to be his kings and priests to his God and Father. And so we too, through Jesus Christ, get the opportunity to be people in high command over things to come, those of us who have nothing of value to offer the Lord. There is nothing of value that we could ever give or offer to God, to someone who owns the universe and everything in it. Nonetheless, he loves us and is good to us all of the time, giving us all kinds of things unmeritedly, without any kind of obligation. It sounds a lot like what he did for Jeroboam, don't you think? Every person in the world, including you and I, get the opportunity to have access to things we can never get on our own, all by grace, because he loves us, things that we cannot even imagine. And what do many people do with the Lord? Most people reject God and dare to say, what have you done for me? Or why don't you do what I tell you to do? Those exact words may not come out, but that is what their attitudes are showing. Most people take completely for granted what he has done for them. They don't even value it. They don't pay any kind of attention to what Jesus did on the cross. And they also treat God with this, what have you done for me lately kind of attitude. But the worst thing is what happens with those people that have come to the knowledge of the truth, that their eyes have been opened and yet still turn against God. That is a worse problem. Although no one has an excuse to not honor and respect the Lord because everything that exists tells of who he is. For it is written, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The ones that face greater problems, or rather have greater responsibility for the truth, are those that have been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn away from that truth. Falling away from faith in Jesus Christ after knowing his gospel is the worst problem. That is the problem that Jeroboam created for himself. When a person knows the truth and has experienced God's grace and turns from it to follow again other idols, other things outside of God, ultimately betraying the Lord. Hebrews chapter 6 says, For it is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted the heavenly gift and have become partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, if they fall away, to renew them again to repentance, since they crucify again for themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. When people turn away again to wallow in their idolatry, when they turn away from the Lord, they are opening themselves up to all kinds of painful consequences. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 26 to 31 also tells us this, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fire indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy 
who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? But we know him, speaking of God, who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. So you see, there is a deep responsibility for knowing the truth of God and turning away from it. There are problems that can happen when a person does not follow the Lord and give proper place to the Lord and credit for what he has done for them. There is a liability and accountability for the truth. When God exposes you to his truth and he gives you the opportunity of salvation, of redemption and reconciliation with him and offers all of the great things he offers and there is an unfaithfulness towards him, a turning away to other things that have nothing to do with him, there can be an expectation of judgment if a person persists in their unfaithfulness and ingratitude with the Lord when there is a spiritual harlotry, if you will. Romans chapter one says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. This is the worst problem that can occur, that when God is not honored and treated unfairly, his holy indignation can ultimately bring about some sort of spiritual stupor in a person and or group of people. The Lord is great in mercy, but his mercy does have a limit, especially when the line of betrayal is crossed and utter despise is shown to him after receiving the knowledge of the truth. This is what we are seeing today now more than ever. Many people in the world are aware of who God is and the works of Jesus Christ are plainly evident to them. 
But rather than embracing God's mercy and grace, many people would rather give glory and credit to other things, to other people, and put their faith on those things and people. That is the sin of idolatry. Idolatry is giving precedence or priority to other things outside of God. There is the God of money. The God of relationships with other people are put before the Lord. All kinds of things are put ahead of the Lord to the point that priority, and there I say faith, is put on those things rather than on God. The greatest judgment that God is exercising today is by allowing people to just follow their own rejection of him and giving them over to the base mind so that they continue in their idolatry and ultimately never find the way back to repentance and grace. God is love and mercy, but he is not going to force himself on a person or people that want nothing with him, with people that dismiss him completely. The word gives the Lord's warning to his so-called people, to those that have been given the opportunity of eternal life and eternal reward, to those that are riding the fence, if you will. Ezekiel chapter 14 says, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Thus says the Lord God, Repent, turn away from your idols, and turn your faces away from all your abominations. For anyone of the house of Israel or of the strangers who dwell in Israel who separates himself from me and sets up his idols in his heart and puts before him what causes him to stumble into iniquity, then comes to a prophet to inquire of him concerning me, I, the Lord, will answer him by myself. I will set my face against that man and make him a sign and a proverb, and I will cut him off from the midst of my people. Then you shall know that I am the Lord." It really does not get any clearer than that. God is love and he is merciful and graceful, but he can only be despised and rejected for so long by those he has revealed himself to. It is certainly not a good idea to despise and reject his truth when he has given so much unmerited opportunity. God's grace and mercy do have a limit. God's message is always to repent, to convert, to turn away from idolatry, to turn away from the sins that only bring about self-destruction. God does not want man's destruction. If you are in a position now that is far away from the Lord because you have put idols in your heart and your iniquity ahead of God's grace and mercy, turn while there is still time, while God gives you the opportunity to understand what is right so you can find your way back. Quit while you're ahead. Consider what you may be trading God's love, mercy, and grace for. What have those other things or people really done for you? Do those things give you life? Do you see the light of day because of those things and people? Does your heart be because of those other things and people you put ahead of the Lord? Does your existence truly depend on them? And what do they offer you? Can they give you eternal life? Can they give you what only God can give you? You may have some pleasure for a small period of time. You may find some sort of temporary satisfaction or security in those things and people. But nothing outside of God can give you what only the Lord can give you. Nothing outside of the Lord can give you the opportunity of salvation, of forgiveness of sins, of redemption, of eternal life and eternal reward, of becoming a person with eternal power and authority. Are your loved ones and or friends mightier and more loving than God? Can money give you immortality? Does that sinful lifestyle that the world justifies provide for you the things that you truly need and an eternal value? 
if you truly weigh God and what He has done and continues to do for you versus the world, idolatry, and sin, there's absolutely no way you can justify trading one for the other. It is more than logical, even from a practical perspective, to follow the Lord and look for those things that only He can provide. You may think that eternal salvation and eternal reward does not mean much to you right now, but I can guarantee you that one day when you stand before God's judgment, that you will wish that you had kept the faith and remained loyal to the Lord and God that owns and judges all things, the one that has the power and authority to decide your eternal fate. Jesus did give us this warning. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Or rather, fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. He was speaking about God. It is God who decides whether or not a person can enter his kingdom or not. It is God the one that can allow for a person to live eternally. He is the only one that can give those things that are reserved for those that love him. And there's only one path to him, one way to God's heart, and that is Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he also said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So please think for your own good, does it even make sense to follow the thief, to follow Satan and the things of the world that ultimately belong to him? Does it make sense to follow a thief and a liar? You can't believe anything a liar tells you, especially a liar like Satan. I would hope that you decide to abide and remain faithful to the Lord that has given you so much and intends to give you that much more, but only if you love him above all other things and you remain faithful to him. If you have sinned against him, repent, convert, leave behind your sin. And if you never truly made a decision for Jesus Christ, I urge you to do that today, to repent and convert from all of your sins and make and confess Jesus as the Lord of your life so that you may belong to him and so that he may guide you personally through the power of his Holy Spirit. Don't trade immortality for temporary and worthless things that will only bring about in your life sooner or later very painful and irreparable destruction. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your mercy and that your grace may extend yet further. Heavenly Father, please forgive us for our sins. Please forgive us, O Lord, for the hardness of our heart. Please forgive us, O Lord, Heavenly Father, for putting other people and other things before you. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Help us, O oh Lord, to be able to seek him out for who and what exactly he is. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I pray for anybody that's listening right now. I pray, Lord God, Heavenly Father, 
that if they have turned away from you somehow, if they have put other things and people ahead of you, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you please help them to understand what they are doing. I pray, O Lord, that through your Holy Spirit that you may bring conviction of sin, that they might be able to turn away from it, Lord God. Do not hand them over to a debased mind. Rather, give them the ability to be able to understand your truth yet again. And I pray, O Lord God, for those that may be listening, that have never made a decision for you, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that you may give them the light, give them the opportunity, Lord God, to understand and to be able to come to be born again through Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, again, I pray for your forgiveness and for your mercy. Help us, O Lord, to value you above all things and to understand that if we follow sin and we follow a lifestyle of sin, we're only bringing pain and destruction to ourselves. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.